This is Rob Carbone, and you're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. going on guys this is rob carbone coming at you with another episode of bd4 where there is no better way to get your yankees and knicks analysis episode 114 tonight guys of bd4 uh thank you for stopping by i appreciate everybody who has stopped by and everybody who is tuning in listening or watching the podcast here on bd4 so if you haven't subscribed, please go and subscribe to BD4. You can subscribe to the podcast on many different platforms. You know, uh, the video format is available on YouTube. The audio formats are available on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on Spotify, Anchor, um, and many other outlets as well. Just go to my website to get there. You all know the information. You know it's in the description. Or it's on the screen if you're watching the pod tonight or this morning. As you are listening to this, it is May 6th on a Wednesday. Um, So I hope everybody is doing well. You know, in these times, it's kind of hard to, uh, to be really, really well. But we're getting through it. You know, hopefully things are starting to die down. You know, from where I live, it seems like things are getting quiet, and that's a positive sign. Some businesses are starting to reopen, so maybe that's a positive sign there. Maybe things are starting to to get back to normal in a sense. Um, as for the NBA season, still nothing nothing new. Pretty much the same news. You know, we're, we're delaying the draft lottery, delaying the uh, draft combine, the NBA combine, um, Combines pushed back, lotteries pushed back, which means a couple of things, which means obviously the NBA draft is going to be pushed back, but also potentially means the season is not canceled, right? There's a chance now that we can finish out the season and get through the playoffs um, in a different capacity. Yeah, probably, but there is a shot that this can work, and, and I'm just hoping. I'm hoping we can get Nick's basketball again, just to salvage the rest of the season. Um, you know, it's not going to be, again, it's not going to be conventional, but at this point, we just won sports, right? Um, the last dance is fun. It's cute, but we need live sports, guys. And, you know, you can only watch classics and reruns for a certain amount of time before it gets boring. And, you know, we all know the outcomes of those games anyway. So hopefully we get something. 
<laughs> but um, I don't want to waste too much time. Tonight's prospect is Nico Mannion. Um, he's kind of a prospect that's that's been hyped up for some. Some don't think he's that much. Um, he, you know, the general consensus here is pretty much 50-50. A lot of people are split on Mannion. Um, he's a 6'3 combo guard, 190 pounds, just turned 19 years old in March. Um, played in Arizona this past season. Played there for 32 games. Uh, started in each and every one of them. Played 32 minutes a night. And he averaged 14 points, 3 rebounds, and 5 assists on 39% from the field, 33% from the 3-point distance, and 70, uh, 80% from the free throw stripe. Uh, defensively, he collected 1.2 steals per game and 0, 0.0 blocks. So he had a solid season in Arizona. I think the second half of the year, you know, once conference play began, he kind of struggled and went through a bunch of ups and downs that may have, um, you know, had had took taken a hit on his draft stock. Um, originally, there was a chance that Nico Mannion would have been in the lottery late lottery. Now it seems more like he's going to be picked in the middle of the first round. I think at worst he'll be late first round, but you know, best to worst case scenario, anywhere from late lottery to late first round, leaving him with a chance to be drafted in the middle. That will be the most likely scenario where the Knicks would have to move up in the draft and trade some assets here if they wanted to acquire a talent like Mannion. Um, so we're going to dive into his, you know, break him down a little bit tonight but first before we get to that guys we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll get right into it afterwards all right hey guys really quick i just want to remind you you can go to my website nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com slash connect and that will display all of my information where to follow me on social media, how to subscribe to the blog, and how to subscribe to my podcast on the many different outlets we have. So once again, guys, just go to my website, nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com slash connect. Let's get back to the show. to describe this kid's game in a couple of words, I would say he's a crafty inside-out playmaker. <clears throat> a crafty inside-out playmaker, I think would be the best way to describe somebody like Nico Mannion. Um, so a little bit of playmaking and a little bit of scoring. I think the playmaking is his best strength. That's the one thing I think will almost certainly translate into the NBA and he will keep that up at a strong rate. As for the scoring, there are some inconsistencies. But we're going to start off with Nico Mannion's pros, just like we normally do. And then we'll hit on his weaknesses later on. Um, but yes, his, you know, the strengths of his game right now, passing and playmaking. And um, a little bit of scoring. So, as a passer, he's somebody who can make the flashy pass. Hits the tight windows. Um, you know, ambidextrous, passes with either hand can make the pass with one hand. 
as a scorer, you know, he can make, oh, I'm sorry, as a, as a uh, he also makes the safe passes too, is what I'm trying to say here. He can make the flashy pass and the safe passes. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, he can make the correct reads, right? Uh, he can be a read and react passer when he needs to be. He'll be safe if he has to, and he'll make the, the tight, you know, tougher passes if he's in a situation where he needs to do that as well. Um, yes, excellent court vision, you know, due to that creativity, uh, that unselfish mentality he has. Play makes a lot and did a great job diming out, you know, passes to his teammates at Arizona. Um, I think he was in the 97th percentile this past season in Division One college ball when it came to assist rate. And he ranked second in assists per game in the Pac-12 behind Peyton Pritchard, who we're actually going to dive into um, one of these one of these days. So pretty soon. Uh, but yes, very good passer um, and just very creative, you know, very crafty, shifty, knows how to change gears when he's ball handling. You know, he could change speeds, angles when he's going to the rim, changes directions pretty well, knows when to change it up and relies on craft a whole lot when he's passing and scoring downhill. Um, so a good creator for himself and others. You know, can also generate a lot of free throw attempts and converts at a strong rate. Got to the line five times per 40 minutes in college and converted at a near 80% rate, as we said. Um, but also he doesn't just have doesn't just need to have the ball in his hand. He's pretty good without it too. Very effective without the ball. A good off-ball motion player. Um and again, that will mesh well on the Knicks, right? He'll fit good with RJ Barrett and plenty other guys as well. It will give the Knicks plenty of lineup flexibility, you know, for somebody like Nico Mannion, um, who's good at playing without the ball in his hands. Um, you know, he can be used as a movement shooter, somebody who can catch and shoot, somebody who can shoot off screens, knows when to curl, knows when to come straight up, knows when to fade, etc. Um, he's, he's a guy who knows how to, to run the floor pretty well and and you know play the play play to his strengths doesn't force the action uh three level scorer i have that he has a soft touch at the rim um he's known for a good mid-range game has a good mid-range uh, pull up where he can stop on the dime and pull it up um has a good floater in the mid-range uses that floater a whole lot sometimes maybe a little bit too much unnecessarily but he's got a good strong mid-range game um as for his Mannion's three-point shooting, I think the ceiling there would be, you know, slightly above adequate uh, at the NBA level. Right now, he shot just 33% on five attempts. So very, you know, pretty inefficient considering the volume, the high volume of threes. Um, you know, more mediocre than anything. So if he's going to, you know, if he wants to become a better scorer at the NBA level where shooting in the backcourt is is almost a must, he's going to have to work on that in the gym a lot and, and, you know, improve that percentage. But I think the ability is there, the potential to be at least adequate from three-point distance and maybe shoot 35%, give or take, I think that's there. Um, plays great in pick and roll. And this is another strength that would benefit the Knicks. You know, the Knicks are not a good pick and roll team. They had all these bigs at the last, you know, <laughs> this past season, but they didn't use them effectively enough, and that hurt. And even their backcourt players who couldn't shoot, score, be aggressive, and play make, 
I think Mannion is somebody who could benefit in pick and roll and bring those things that the Knicks missed out on. You know, he's good in pick and roll because of his scoring and shooting ability, but also because of his ability to facilitate and create off the bounce a little. Um, I think his biggest strength, though, as a playmaker is using his um, excellent transition open court game. He's very good on the fast break, plays at a fast pace because I know the Arizona Wildcats were an offense that used a high-tempo scheme this past season. And so that, that, again, is good for a New York Knicks team who were amongst the worst teams in the league when it came to scoring and transition and fast break scoring. Um, Knicks were very unproductive, very inefficient in the fast break this past season. Um, They were 30th in points per possession in transition, and they were 29th in effective field goal percentage, if you like that statistic, in transition. Um, So I think think somebody like Mannion could definitely help them improve in those few areas. Um, He's just very smooth, guys. He's very smooth, just looks very confident out there, looks like he's just not ever uncomfortable. He looks like he's pretty much just comfortable the entire time, you know, kind of like that RJ Barrett vibe, you know, RJ Barrett had the same type of vibe to him this past season where he didn't look like he shied away from anything. And I think that's big for, you know, again, a fucking teenager guys, he's 19 years old, barely, Um, you know, he has a good balance just to, you know, knows when to be aggressive, but knows when to be smart, you know, play smart and sophisticated ball, not try to force anything. Um, you know, some people say he has sneaky athleticism. You'll see him throw one down every once in a while and show some vertical pop um, occasionally. He doesn't like that term. I know I, I watched an interview of him. He kind of just thinks he is athletic. But, you know, that's going to lead me to my next point. He is still not the quickest, not the fastest, not the most explosive. And could that hurt at the NBA level, right? That's a big question there as well. Um He'll struggle guarding those quicker guards on the perimeter and on dribble penetration because of that lack of, you know, burst. Um, You know, and offensively, since he's not the most explosive either, he's going to have his own issues going downhill, you know, on the dribble penetration and and kind of blowing by. Um, So he'll have to work on the gym and for now rely on craft to get by. But not an elite athlete is one of his weaknesses, as well as some other things. Um. Again, he was kind of an inconsistent scorer slash shooter this past season, shooting just 39% from the field on 12 attempts and 33% from deep on five attempts. So, you know, he was on fire to start the season. I think like for the first eight games, he was on fire. Then from there on, it was kind of some inconsistent play. Um, He was up and down when it came to, you know, scoring the ball effectively and, and, shooting the ball at a high clip. He was just up and down once conference play began and struggled to really find a rhythm. Um, His half-court play, you know, while we mentioned his, you know, open court game is fantastic, sometimes in the half-court he can be a little bit inefficient as a ball handler, as a playmaker. Um, Excuse me, my voice is almost gone tonight. Um, But, yeah, he's, he's so used to the fast break and so used to playing in transition that sometimes he needs to slow it down. And I understand the NBA plays at that high pace, but there are times when you, when you need to take a step back and, and kind of get your offense back into the groove if they're struggling. And he sometimes turns it over in the half court. You know, that's when he does turn it over in half court possession. So I think he'll need to improve there as, as a half court player. Um, also have that it's not only the athleticism that will hold him back potentially, but it's the size. He's only a buck 90. Um, He's got a six two and a half wingspan, an eight one and a half standing reach, 
you know, so that will limit his defensive ceiling, you know, his defensive floor being below average and his defensive ceiling being average. So he's going to have to, um, there's not much he can do there in terms of his, his wingspan and, and standing reach, but he's just going to have to find a way to, to just keep up with, with the defense at the NBA level. Um, or with, with, I'm sorry, opposing ball handlers. <clears throat> um, you know, and he's just, again, we mentioned he's he's a teenager. So are we going to get, well, no, we're probably going to get another project. If the Knicks are to draft this kid, he's barely 19 years old. So you're going to get another project. And how many projects do we want? We've got Neil Aquina, big project. we got Knox, tremendous project. Um, we've got Mitchell Robinson, Barrett, also projects. These are young kids, guys that, have plenty of time to, to develop their game, you know, and they're not impacting the NBA right away. So this is likely another one of those scenarios where Nico Mannion, a 19 year old kid still struggles with plenty of things offensively. The shooting needs work, right? As an NBA combo guard, you're going to need to shoot the ball. Um, and, and we're just going to have to be patient. And Knicks fans have a trouble, you know, staying patient and remaining, um, confident through through the long term, we have we've had our struggles with our with our patients here. Um, you know, Neil Aquino, we're constantly calling this guy a bust. Knox too. We're not the most patient. Uh, even R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson take heat from time to time, and, and the front office has to be patient too. You know, they're not the most patient either. Frank Aquino has been in constant trade talk, uh, trade talks since he's been uh, a Nick. Kevin Knox, you know, we've kind of heard rumors that the the front office is losing faith in him. So how, you know, if the Knicks were to draft somebody like Nico Mannion, would they stay confident in him? Would he be somebody that that they would um, trust more than they do their other core pieces? So that's that's a concern for me. Um, It's just we have so many projects already. Do we really want to go that route again? But again, he's this isn't you know it's likely that Mannion is going to be a mid to late first round pick. So is it really that big of a deal if we can you know use our first pick to 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 acquire somebody who's less of a project? You know I think that would ease the pain a little bit. So that's just my take. You know. I think the poor second half of Mannion's season kind of diminished his his um, draft stock and kind of uh, you know, did harm to, to the way people look at him now. Um, I don't think he's as hyped up as he once was maybe, but the general consensus here is, again, still a little bit 50-50. Um, his limited ceiling, he's, he, you know, his, his limited ceiling might be as a solid NBA starter, right? A core piece, somebody who could be part of your future, a solid starter, a solid playmaker. Um, I think he's more of a player who's going to have a high floor than, than a high ceiling. I think the floor here is a secondary playmaker, you know, a backup point guard who can come off the bench and give you some playmaking and get the offense going again when they're struggling. Um, so that's, that's pretty much all I've got on Nico Mannion guys. I don't, you know, I don't have too much on him again, a good three level playmaker, a good uh, scorer when he needs to, Somebody who can be very effective at the NBA level, if all things pan out. So that's that's just the big question here: Are things going to pan out, and is this kid going to be worth it, no matter where he he is drafted at? Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's. I don't think I have too much else to say. I think I pretty much covered everything we needed to tonight. Um, you know, he he's he's 
things are things are uh, are not good right now for the Knicks. Right now, they need uh, as much fucking talent as they can fucking get. And if they can get somebody like Mannion, if they trade up and, and acquire somebody like him, I'm gonna live with it because I think there's something there. But it's it's all about what we do with that lotto. I think the lottery pick, man, I'm gonna probably I'm probably gonna go over um, a lot of those lottery guys that we discussed in the past. I'm probably gonna go over that again sometime soon and do more episodes on, on the mellow ball, on Obi Topin, on um, fucking Anthony Edwards. Cole Anthony, we might, um, you know, break down each of them in their own episode again, so look forward to that in the future, but as for now, guys, uh, we're going to keep talking about these, you know, sleeper picks, these late first guys, um, maybe second round picks, too. we'll keep talking about that, and I guess we'll work our way up to, to, the, to the lottery again, but guys, thank you so much, I appreciate everybody who's stopping by, and I think that's all we got for episode 114. Guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Once again, this has been Rob Carbone with episode 114 of BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Ciao.